0: We are the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show. I'm Liz Dolan here in the Wondery Studio with my sister, Leanne Dolan. Hey, Leanne, how you doing? Fantastic today, Liz. Okay. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and Julie, how about you there in Dallas, Texas, in your bedroom closet or something? How are things yes,
1: going? Yes, I- I'm, I'm going to give the same answer. Fantastic. All the way around. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, we have a super exciting show today. We have a special guest, but first I want to mention, be sure to stay tuned until the very end because we're announcing a special contest we are running during the the month of April. You're the Best Photo Contest. It's going to be super easy for you to participate, and there are prizes. 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 So uh, stay tuned all the way through, and you'll get the details at the very end. All right. And, Liz,
2: today we're going to be talking to Karen Carbo. She's the author of our March Pick for the Satellite Sisters Book Club, her book is In Praise of Difficult Women, Life Lessons from 29 Heroines Who Dared to Break the Rules. It's a really fun collection of essays. I know I picked out a few women I want to ask about. Julie, you did too. So mm-hmm. we're looking forward to having Karen here. Uh, she's always a great guest. She's been on Satellite Sisters yeah, before. Yeah. She's from Portland, right? Yeah, she's from Portland, Do you know her? uh, Yes,
0: I know her just from being around in Portland. Okay. Plus her memoir, one of our very first Satellite Sisters radio book club picks when the show was on the radio was Karen's memoir about growing up.
2: All right. We're also going to hear a little bit more about your new podcast. And Julie, Urban Nana has an announcement. Um, I do. I have some breaking news (laughs) uh, this week. Yes. So, and I have just some news that's breaking me, Uh, basically. (laughs) okay. So Colin, my my younger son is leaving tomorrow for his study abroad. He'll be gone in Europe for 10 weeks.
1: Okay. And congratulations. That's a great experience. Wonderful. I
2: know all those things, right? I'm so excited for him. He's going to to go... First of all, I'm excited because he's chosen my path to recreate and not his father's. And that's when,
1: that's when you feel
2: like you've won the parenting game. I won. So, you know, I mean, Barak has my older son. Like, yes. they have their thing. I can't crack that. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Colin, is he's going to Athens and he's going to Florence for eight weeks. But ahead of time, he's going to London because he wants to see... Um, you know, the, all the marbles. that the, the stuff that used to be in, <laughs> yeah. in, in Greece. Everything the Greeks. Which is in the British Museum. Yeah, the Greeks lost to England. right All Brit- the loot is there. Yes. <laughs> yep. Everything, yep. Everything Lord Elgin took is there at the British Museum, which, you know, I went to Athens for junior year abroad and I went to London first for that same reason. So I'm very excited that he's going. And then at the end... There's going to be uh, a trip to Rome and a little trip to Paris. So he's really having kind of a grand tour. Um, but he doesn't, Julie doesn't seem to be responding to any of my super helpful emails about
1: <laughs> tips for studying abroad. You know, so um, you are you've given up calling him. You're just emailing him. You've you've written out some tips. Like what kind of tips, Land? You know, you, you,
2: well, <laughs> they, like I've looked up tips on the interweb.
1: Things like maybe you should
2: register at the State Department when you're going to be abroad. That might might be helpful mm-hmm. or I've tried asking him in text messages and conversations how are you going to get money when you're abroad <laughs> <laughs> or is there an app we should be using together to communicate what is data usage like when you study abroad? Cause I'm not paying for a lot of data, data oh, usage. Good point. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Liz. There are actual <laughs> things that have to These happen. Are These matters. are good tips, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. These are good right. questions. They're good tips. I've just basically had to seek out the answers myself and then send him links In an email to the articles, so you know
1: that's never going to be read. No, that's not going to be read. Sort of good news, he hasn't asked you for any money, but (laughs) it might not be good news because he'll ask for it later. Right. More more difficult, and it will be more difficult to transfer money. Yes. Yeah. All these things.
2: Like, I'm really trying not to bug him. Like, he wanted to go to London. He's going alone. I think that's a very brave step. Mm -hmm. Uh, So. You know, I told him a few helpful tips. Liz, you told me about how to get in from the airport, oh, yeah, the yeah. Cr- trains. Very yeah. easy to get in But from I haven't, I haven't yeah. booked his hotel room or anything. I did send him a copy of Let's Go Europe. You know, oh, they <laughs> okay. still publish that? They still publish that's it? Good.
1: That's good to know that's still around. Still around.
2: Yeah. It made me happy. I loved that Bible, you know, when you did your thing. It yeah. was all about student travel. There's an app, of course. I'm sure you can book rooms on the app. I've been tempted to download the app, but I didn't. But I'm like... <laughs> So, have you booked a place to stay in London? And, oh, yeah, I'm going to work on that. Oh, yeah, well, maybe yeah. we maybe should work on that. Yeah. It's just a lot of things he's going to work on in the next, mm-hmm. I don't know, 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: like copy of this passport, Leanne, you have that? I, I you know, Julie, you should have that when... I have that. Okay, let, let me just
0: ask this, though, of both of you, because your parents, like, when when you went abroad, or when I went abroad, like... Mom and Dad did none of the above. No, I, I know no. they did like no involvement, no questions, no let's agree, no. you know, I was going for a year and I called home once. That yeah. was pretty much it. I wrote a letter every week, but it was different. Yeah. So he, he can probably handle it. You could handle it. I, so that's what I mean, Liz. I'm trying to ma-
2: I, I'm trying to maintain that. like yeah. this is his trip. I don't have to book his hotel room no, in London. No. He's, it's so much easier to do now. Yeah. We used to just have to show up in cities and wander around. And do you have any rooms? Do yeah. you have any rooms? Like that's how you got yeah. a room. Or you went home with a stranger who showed up at the airport. Would you like to <laughs> – right? <laughs> Remember those that's people? That's a good system. Rome yeah. train station. That's Rome what train I did. station. Yeah. 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 We have a bed. Would you like to stay there? Okay. Sure. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> It's the original Airbnb. So that old lady in the Rome train station. So I'm trying to, like, maintain that experience for him. So, But it's driving me crazy. (laughs) So I'm excited for him. It's fantastic that he's going. I hope he has a great safe trip. I hope he figures out how to reach me
1: occasionally.
2: Mm-hmm. Not all the time. You know, I don't he want to. Will, he yeah. will.
1: So, but, but I mean, you're insane. not going to nail this down before he, he leaves. You're just going to let him go before I, you well, nail this down?
2: I, Julie, well, you have two grown sons. How's nailing things down going for you? <laughs> We're going to get you? to that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I mean.
1: Coming up. That's coming up. <laughs> it's. A- I know. Like It just seems like even just the emergency stuff, like if, if he, I mean, obviously you cannot appeal to them, you know, that it would be nice or it would be convenient or we would be interested to know where you are and what, you know, what kind of things you're doing. But just for emergency purposes, I think, you know, you have the right to, to have some, you know, like what's going to be the procedure if, you know, if there's a terrible event, uh, where he is, you You're know, right. so I'm
2: going to nail that down.
1: I got one more shot before he gets on. <laughs> okay. You really ice- have no
2: rights. But, Icelandic air. You have a right
0: to ask, of course. Yeah.
1: Yes, yes. 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 I mean, I, I, well, no, Liz, I think we we live in a time where, where I think as a family member, you should, you need an emergency plan right. and that, that's a reasonable thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't okay, think that's, I don't reasonable?
0: With that. no, that's reasonable? No, that's
1: reasonable.
2: Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. It so, did, it did remind me though, when I, when I was abroad and I went to Rome for Christmas, uh, yeah, I'm sure I had told mom and dad in a letter I was going. But then the red brigade like blew up the airport in Rome I the day that. after I was there. But it never occurred to me to call them and say, "Hey, I'm safe. Hey, all good." <laughs> like it's just, you know. I know. So right. right. But I, I don't hope that for him. Like, yes, we, he will have a cell phone. But again, even that, will it work? We don't know. Is right. it, I don't really know. Like, I don't know any. I mean, that does get expensive. Well, I know now because I've read all the travel tip articles. and <laughs> That he'll never read. So you're ready to go on your junior year I'm abroad. I'm totally your ready. Your backpack is packed. I'm totally ready to go. He does have an away bag, though. And that's what's important. That's the key. <laughs> he has the away luggage. That's okay. it. So All off right. he goes. I wish him the best. I hope he has a fantastic time, and I'm looking forward to maybe occasionally hearing from him. So there you have it. Say say a prayer for him. Say a okay. prayer.
1: Okay. A prayer. All right. That's good. It's it is a continuing theme because I have some Urban Nana news, something that I haven't shared on the podcast, but uh, Urban Nana is very excited. My younger son Will and his wife Lauren are expecting their second child. Yay! Um, and- I know, isn't that exciting? Coming up in the month of April. Okay, so uh, TikTok, it's soon. The baby is coming. And, uh, you know, as you can imagine, Urban Nana, I have my go bag ready, ready to go. But here's the problem there are no plans uh, coming out of uh, the Brooklyn, Brooklyn domicile as to when exactly Urban Nana, you know, when I'm going to be deployed. Okay, so uh, I. I am trying like Leanne, yeah. to hold back, okay. I'm trying not to, you know, I, I I've asked a couple of questions and I didn't get any answers. so I don't want to be I don't want to put any pressure on the parents because they got a lot going on. This is the second child. I know they have like, a birthing plan and a plan for Josephine uh, you know, when Lauren goes into labor and all of that. But it's like when the baby is born, what that plan looks like and you know, who's coming and when coming and how much help does she need and when does she need help? And with the new baby or with Josephine, none of those details have been disclosed to me. Okay. <laughs> so um, so, but I, I, I just can't just, I just, I, so I have my bag packed and I'm ready, but I, um, and I just felt like I needed to make my own plan. That was it. Got-
0: They're just good. There's no bat sign coming like our banana needed now. You just don't
1: know. I just, no, I don't have any. So I'm just making a plan. My plans, which is different because as mother of, mother of the sun, uh, you would understand as right. is very reasonable. That you know, I'm just anticipating that Lauren's mother and father will, or her sister will go, you know, first to help th- that first week or se- first couple of weeks to help out. You know, that that's I think sort of standard protocol. I accept that. Um, so I have just decided I've got a two-prong plan for this baby. I am going to, you know, when we get when we get word that the baby is born, boom, my husband and I are going to New York. We're going to see that baby. Okay, we're going to see the baby. <laughs> just (laughs) whether you're invited or not (laughs) well we're not we are not asking permission we are like getting on the plane we're going to get there under our own steam we're going to stay stay on our own we're not going to you know so we're not going to stay with them but we're going to see that baby boom get the pictures hold the baby all of that then we're getting out of town and then i will wait uh for uh my assignment my i like it
2: I like it. It's but good to do something pre-emptive.
1: You needed to yeah. do something.
2: You needed to make some plans. It sounds good. I need to make some plans. Yes. I am
1: just not. Yeah, I'm not just. <laughs> I can't just sit sit idly by. That's not working for me at all.
2: <laughs> all right. Well, congr- congratulations on the babies. Yeah. <laughs> so, and lost in all this is the new baby, which is exciting. So, that yes, will be it great.
0: is very, very exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> okay so uh i guess it's my turn now you each have other things you're working on here's my other thing i'm working on you know i do this other podcast called safe for work and uh i've mentioned it before and you got a sample of it in the satellite sisters feed so thank you to everyone who listened to it i did want to let you know a couple of things that are coming up or things about the show if you haven't listened yet it's It's a workplace advice show, but where our goal, my goal in particular, is to just have people have more satisfaction at work. You know, how to make sure you're being heard, doing what you want, enjoying your work, balancing it with the rest of your life. There are a lot of podcasts out there that are about crushing it at work. And I have a strict (laughs) no crushing policy. I was like, okay, we're not going to crush life. That's not, that's not the goal here. The goal is to really help you figure out what you want to do and how you can articulate that. So that's all going to be fun. And for those of you that listened last season to I Hate My Boss. My co-host on I Hate My Boss was an executive coach named Larry Seal, and I love Larry. Larry's great. He's not my co-host this season, but in case you're worried, I wanted you to know, Larry will be doing a regular segment on the show where we kind of call Coach Larry, because one thing Larry is really great at is telling people, like, what is the exact conversation you should go in and have? and. I'm super bad at that, you know, because it's very hard. For instance, in episode two, which is posted now, you can listen to it. Larry helps Matt and I figure out, okay, you're feeling overwhelmed at work. You just have too much work. You're actually being punished for the fact that you seem to be very competent. So Mm -hmm. your boss just assigns a lot of stuff to you. So how do you go into your boss and say, this is not working for me i'm overwhelmed could we reprioritize could we do this differently and he's just really great at talking people through that so if you if you need that kind of advice either the kind i give which you know or that kind i of Liz, I
1: think you give very solid inspiring advice uh oh, whether thank you, you. Uh, whether you're working in an office or not uh, that's yeah what I it's think.
0: not just about office work we do get a lot of calls from people like all over the workplace so if you're interested in asking questions that's safe for work um you can send us an email. The email is safe at wondery.com, safe S A F E at wondery.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail, and here comes the number, uh 424-224-5711. So I know sometimes people leave those messages for me over on Satellite Sisters. Don't do that. <laughs> That's because Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you if it's specifically a question that you want to talk to, um, to talk on the, the other podcast about yeah. it on Safe for Work. Just make sure the message either goes to the Safe for Work email address, which is safe at com, or, or the voicemail. So we lo- last year, we had a few Satellite Sisters on. Yeah, balls, I remember. And huh. it was great. So believe me, your questions, your dilemmas, it's all welcome. And so that's how you can contact us. And I can't wait for you to listen and participate. Can you give that number one more time sure. slowly for people? Sure, slowly. You can leave us a voicemail at four two four two two four five seven one one. I'll also put this on the show notes on okay, the good. show notes for today. Great. So Maybe
1: Liz, maybe Leon and I you could get Larry to call Colin and to call my son. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Good idea. That would be good. That would be good. Yeah, yes. get just get the right words. What are the words we're supposed to say? <laughs> okay. All right, there you go. Thanks, everybody. All right. Coming up
2: next on Satellite Sisters, author Karen Carbo is joining us. Her book, In Praise of Difficult Women, is our Satellite Sister Book Club pick. She has written award-winning novels, memoirs, works of nonfiction. You've seen her credits in various magazines. You, she wrote the book, uh, the bestseller, in fact, the international bestseller, The Gospel According to Coco Chanel. Also, Julia Child Rules and How Georgia Became O'Keefe. You've seen her in the New York Times, Elle, Vogue, Condé Nast. She lives in Portland, Oregon, and she's a fantastic guest. So we love always talking to Karen. Stay with us for In Praise of Difficult Women. But up next, a few um, messages from our sponsors. So stay tuned. And then the details on the contest. Oh, yeah. Deets on the contest. We're excited today to have the author of our Satellite Sisters book club pick for March in the studios here in Wondery. Karen Carbo is with us. Her book is In Praise of Difficult Women, Life Lessons from 29 Heroines Who Dared to Break the Rules – Karen, happy women's history
3: month. <laughs> Thank you. And it's it's a long month. You know, it's it's a 3rd isn't it thirty days has I, September. I think we have thirty one. Thirty one days, days to celebrate twenty nine women.
2: We got it. We got exactly. it happening. We, well, this is a super fun book, and we're really glad to have you here in Los Angeles. You know, how many books have you written now?
3: Um, I think fifteen or sixteen. Wow. That's a lot. I have lost count. Yeah, it's a, it's a little sad. I feel like a snail with a trail yeah. <laughs> of books behind me.
0: <laughs> you call it your kick-ass women series on the book jacket. I like that.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yes that that was that that label was foisted upon me, and I do like it. I do like being kick-ass.
2: All right. So, how did this book come to be? Like, what did you? Why did you decide to write this book now?
3: Well, this book. Um, first of all, you know, with books, um, they they. It takes several years, if we're lucky, to get a book going. So I began writing it um, three years ago before actually, you know, when we thought we were going to be having a woman president. We thought we'd have an African-American president. Now we have a woman president. And it originally started sort of looking back at these iconic women from history and how they've sort of provided the stepping stones to lead us to where we have, you know, in our lifetime, we saw the first woman president. Mm-hmm. Well, then, of course, life happened mm-hmm. and the election happened and, and kind of the whole, you know, our whole culture kind of pivoted. Um, and we started looking at, um, what, what women, you know, still, clearly there's still work to be done. Right. And I started looking at, at what women um, who, are, who are my quote-unquote living heroines who are inspiring me and inspiring the rest of us to resist and move forward and, and be who we are in the world. So it was a project that actually expanded oh, okay. over the last three years or so.
2: Okay. Well, and how do you define difficult? Because one other thing I like about the book is that you profile 29 women, but they each have a different um, adjective associated with them from, you know, incorrigible to creative. So how do, you de- how do you define difficult?
3: Difficult is a very broad umbrella term that it can be applied to any woman who does something that causes her to sort of brush up against the expectations of the culture, which then creates... Um, people who are unhappy with her and she gets called difficult. Um, A difficult woman is someone who believes that her own feelings and desires and motives and passions are at least as important as everyone around her. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it was funny. One reviewer said, that's a pretty low bar. And I said, yes, and you have made my point for me. Thank you very much. Um, You know, a difficult woman cares doesn't care too much about what people think of her. Right. Um, and a difficult woman, of course, um, is not afraid uh, to upset people.
2: Right. Right. Do you think that's true, though, that people women I mean, most women. Do, did you think the women that you profiled started out that way, always difficult or sort of as they aged or came into their own or found their own voice? Then they're like, OK, now I'm done with caring about what people think about me.
3: I think it's across the board. And it was something that I st- strove strived for striven i don't striven know. struve. i strove <laughs> it's audio you don't
1: have to really care about <laughs> well, i, grammar. Really Just I tried really hard.
3: i tried super hard to um, have a diverse roster not only in terms of um, nationality and ethnicity and socioeconomic background but also the ways in which they embody the different ways in which they embodied being difficult and that includes you know some women seem to be difficult out of the shoot right like they're just born that way and you like know like who in the um, do you think I would say some, you know Jane Goodall um Amelia Earhart Billie Jean King, they seem to, from girlhood, sort of exhibit the qualities that they would carry into adulthood, and that and that would cause them to be quote unquote difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it also has to do with the kind of nurturing and and you know parenting you have, and the kind of family that you have. But they seem just to be sort of wanting to go their own way and do their own thing from the get go. There are other women who seem to step into their difficulty as they get older, and I think Elizabeth Warren is one mm-hmm. that she started out and she was sort of a very dutiful middle class girl. She went to college and actually dropped out fairly early to go back to Texas and marry her high school boyfriend
0: right and right.
3: she had children, and she you know I mean I think she was going to just sort she she always wanted to be intellectually stimulated, but really she seemed to be fairly happy with with sort of having the kind of traditional mid-century life that her parents had wanted for her. So only later when she... um really became involved sort of with, you know, the economic disparity in the country and ran for Congress and started really speaking out, did she really sort of step into her difficult nature? So I think it's across the board. Mm -hmm. Some of us are born difficult. Some of us are made.
0: Circumstances force us to be difficult. Right. And
3: that's what I like to say is necessity is the mother of difficulty oftentimes.
2: (laughs) Sign up today at ButcherBox.com slash sisters and use code SISTERS to choose your free-for-year free offer, plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. All right. We wanted to ask you about some specific women. I'll, I'll kick it off. Julie, I know you have a couple that you want to ask about. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was really fascinated by Kay Thompson who was the creator of Eloise. Cre- but you right. just, the last word you used to describe her is kooky, which <laughs> the world doesn't have enough kooky people. Uh, you and, know- and, and she just really had a nutty life that I didn't know she was a Broadway performer. Uh, I, that She was a song and dance woman. At one point at age 38, she had a tour de with Andy Williams crooner <laughs> of, at, who was 20. And then she got very jealous of like all the Eloises out there and why wasn't she as famous as Eloise. So,
3: who knew? She, you know, that's part of what, I mean, she's my one of my most beloved difficult women because she was truly difficult. She wasn't sort of difficult in a way of like, you go, girl. Like she, um, she was quite gifted. She was a big radio star. And, you know, unfortunately, she was not traditionally beautiful because I hate to say it. But then as now, you know, beauty tends to be the coin of the realm for women, and especially if you're in the entertainment field, unless you're in radio.
0: <laughs>
2: then, <laughs> nothing, Thanks, Karen.
3: <laughs> nothing. Present company excluded. The sisters are gorgeous and have always been gorgeous. In any case – um, so she she was try, try, kept trying to break into Hollywood, and really, you know, they wanted her for her fantastic ability to direct people singing and dancing. I think a lot of things that we just take for granted when you look at Hollywood musicals go back to Kay Thompson. Before Kay Thompson, people didn't sing and dance at the same time.
0: Like I had either, no idea, oh, no, right? Isn't right? Right? That crazy. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah.
3: And also, she was an early coach for Frank Sinatra when he was a nobody, and he would pay her with plates of pasta. And that sort that's of That's
2: good for your figure.
3: <laughs> that's Frank. So yeah. Um and anyway, so he he that phrasing that we think of as being traditionally Sinatra like, that kind of lagging behind the notes, that was all all case coaching. So she really did bring a lot to um sort of pop culture, but she never could quite Um, Find her way. And she always would would sort of shoot herself in the foot. Um, She was forever getting contracts with rival radio stations and just changing her name. (laughs) Now, she had a very distinct voice. So it would be as if you know Mick Jagger or somebody yeah. you know said no my name is John Jones and they'd say no that's Mick Jagger <laughs> like who who is she kidding so yeah she always she was doing things like that and she was also a great friend of Judy Garland's and and helped coach Judy Garland become oh. Judy Garland so
2: but then she sort of has this these disassociated events with Eloise, like later in her life, where she didn't she start dressing like Eloise? She was jealous of the children who portrayed Eloise and things? There were
3: a few moments, right, where she wanted—she felt that, that I think she was quite a—you know, she was middle-aged for sure. And when they did the Eloise movie, she felt as if the girl cast as Eloise could not accurately do Eloise. And her idea was that she would sort of hide behind the furniture— and the little girl would move her lips, and Kay would be behind the furniture saying, "My name is Eloise."
0: Cookie, right? Cookie, cookie, <laughs> like how would that,
3: how would that ever
0: work? I
1: think, yes. Yes. she was, and
3: she, um, she sort of very much resented. I think part of the greatness of Eloise and why Eloise lives on were, was the illustrations by Hilary Knight. Yeah, and she yeah. very much resented, um, you know, his participation in it. But she was, she was just very, very difficult.
1: Okay, excellent. Julie, who did you want to ask Karen about? I wanted to ask, um, this is Julie, did Angela Merkel get on your list because you love Kate McKinnon from Saturday Night Live's uh, (laughs) Uh interpretations of her or was she always on your radar?
3: She was actually – she was always on my radar in part because I knew her story of having been this brilliant scientist, East German scientist, who was then tapped by the new German government just in a sort of token way. Uh, You know, they wanted their token East German in her bowl haircut and her frumpy shoes and her – and her you know wool skirts and her cardigans and and they you know they they were being quite condescending in fact they called her you know my little girl in german mm-hmm. Um, And meanwhile, she was just sort of taking notes and allowing herself to be disparaged. And then in one fell swoop, one December, she wrote a letter to the newspaper in which she revealed all of the fraud and chicanery that was going on in the German government. And they all fell. And she was the only one standing. Ah. So I knew that story. And Uh um, I thought – and again, I was always searching for women um, to be in the book who weren't what we think of sort of as traditional difficult women – I think we think of a traditional difficult woman as being someone who's very verbal and very extroverted and is always leading the parade and and you know rouse you know is a rousing speaker and and opinionated and so on and so forth and Angela Merkel you know is brilliant and very under the radar. Um right. she, you,
1: you said she's methodical a dull leader you said and a terrible public speaker right, right. And, and she cultivates that
3: <laughs> Is she, because she says, but I
1: think you made a good point. You said the Germans don't want a charismatic leader. You know that uh, that they like the fact that she's dull and bad at speaking, right? They do because they've seen where charisma has gotten them, yeah. <laughs> right. and it
3: still stings. And they are they they love that she what she yes yeah, she delivers her speeches like a middle school teacher giving the fire drill instructions. <laughs>
2: All right. The one person in the book completely shocked me, did not know anything about her except the bare bones facts, Josephine Baker. And I had no idea that she resisted the Nazis. She was awarded a medal in France. She was a civil rights activist. She spoke at the March on Washington in 1963. I just thought she was a nightclub performer in the 20s. I had
3: no idea. In the banana skirt. Yeah. Right. Literally, she sort of parachuted into into Paris. And within three minutes, she was naked on stage dancing in that banana skirt. And history was made. Yeah. Um, No, but she she was really someone she was quite gutsy and quite courageous. And she totally lived by her heart's dictates which made her beloved uh, by by her audience and by people in the public but as I like to say about Josephine is that she she was fun at a party and hell at home
0: <laughs> meaning <laughs> that if you were
3: <laughs> if you were involved with her and you were a friend or an intimate because I believe she had five husbands yeah um, she could be quite difficult because she did she was she wanted to give all her money to the resistance she wanted to give money to get Jews out of France she Wanted, you know, and she adopted all those children, and she, you know, she just was very, very um, compulsive in terms of following her passion and her mission. But she was quite, quite brave, and um, and also quite outspoken at a time, especially in terms of the civil rights in the United States. She was quite outspoken at a time before it was it was sort of fully embraced by the culture.
2: Yeah, that's an astonishing – that's a beautiful essay that you wrote too. Really fascinating. All right. We're going to take a break. We're here with Karen Carbo. The book is In Praise of Difficult Women. It's our Satellite Sisters pick for the month of March. Stay with us when we get back. Julie, I know you want to ask about J.K. Rowling, right? I do. All right. Stay with us. We're the Satellite Sisters. Right, we're back. Lee and Liz and Julie here with author Karen Carbo. Her book is In Praise of Difficult Women. And they're just 29 portraits. Some really fascinating women. Some women you think you know, like Amy Poehler, story we'll talk about later, I loved. Hilarious And, and women you, you would just like to be and want to be your best friend, like J.K. Rowling, right? Julie, what did you, what did you find I, fascinating no, I about I love her? that.
1: I think most of us, Karen, know the first part of the story, how she sat in the cafes when she didn't have any money and, and churned out these books. But your essay, is more about since all of her fame and attention and wealth just that some of the criticism that she's faced when she got out of her lane as as you put it you know that people wanted her to stay in her lane and just write harry potter books and she wanted to do other things right
3: Correct. Um, I, You know, I think one of the things about J.K. Rowling, and there's a couple of women like this, is that she has obviously achieved great fame and wealth and a place in history, which, you know, if one is mindful of one's place in history, you don't want to upset the apple cart. And I think, you know, people see her or lovers of Harry Potter see her as the keeper of that realm and a proponent of literacy and sort of like a like a Sunday school teacher with a little sizzle with a billion
2: dollars with yeah. a billion but, yeah. dollars, you know,
3: but a very nice lady. <laughs> yeah. right, um, right. And she should be a nice lady and not do anything to sully her reputation as, you know, the creator of Harry Potter. Of course, if you have spent more than about seven seconds on Twitter, you can see that she has quite a sharp tongue, which I adore. And she is really not afraid to spank anyone who she feels deserves, you know, deserves a bit of criticism. So, you know, hats off to her for that.
2: Yeah, your, your word is feisty, but it's also <laughs> risky. I mean, it is risky. It's a lot easier just to sit back and count the money.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I think, I mean, I think you kind of make the point that she wanted to sort of, you know, continue to develop and to, you know, to be more of who she is and that, that she shouldn't, that her fame shouldn't limit her. So I thought that was a very interesting observation and essay. Thank you.
2: Yeah, so she's not going to just sh- shut up and um, <laughs> just keep writing, right. more sequels. <laughs> I didn't read Harry, the, the Harry Potter books. What's that? Shut up and quit it? She's not going to do that. <laughs> she's not That's putting on invisibility not- cloak? <laughs> she's not.
3: The- <laughs>
2: she's- <laughs> All right. Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about See why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or see a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's framebridge.com. Thanks, Framebridge. Oh, one of the women you profiled, I, I want to talk about her because I have the same issues with her you've had, and that's Helen Gurley Brown.
3: No, Helen. Who's
2: she's a famous publisher of Cosmopolitan. And as you said, and I, I thought, oh, my gosh, she's reading my mind like, I never really enjoyed the magazine, yet I sort of have a grudging respect for her. Like, kind of hated the cheesy magazine and the everything about it, but she was relentless is the word you use. (laughs) She was relentless. And then we learned that, you know, she wrote that book, Sex and the Single Girl. It was a huge, unexpected hit. But I, as a writer, I was like, she went on the first book tour ever. She invented the book tour, Helen Gurley (laughs) Brinkley. Thanks, Helen. (laughs) I know. (laughs) That's why you're here, though. Uh, uh, uh. But, yeah, she was just an interesting... You know, characters, she was sort of loved by feminists, then hated by feminists, then they did a sit-in. She was kind of an early feminist, and then, you know, then they trashed her. I mean, and she just kept going, kept she going. She
3: did, and, you know, I think one of the things that's interesting about Helen Gurley Brown is that she really gave us the the okay sign that you could be a young woman in the workplace and have a good life. I mean, when in the late 50s, she was one of the first women who worked at KHJ Radio, and she had her own apartment, and she had a lot of dates. And, in fact, if you read Sex and the Single Girl now, it is is shockingly – it's almost avant-garde. It is so ahead of its time. Wow. Um, She said, you know – Work can be boring, but guess what's at work? Men, lots of men. And guess what? They're bored, too. And they probably are bored of their wives. And there you are all day. So just dig in, sister. Like, she, it was shocking. Yeah. Like, to read it now, you would be shocked, and you can only imagine how it was then. But in those days, you could go from your husband's house, or I mean, your father's house to your husband's house. Right. And if you had to have a job, you were, like, the most pathetic, sad lady soul ever. And she said, no way. Being married's is for when you're older. You should ha- you have your own money, you have your own apartment and your own agency. Like, what more could a girl want? And for that, she was very bold. Now she never came off of that position, even as the times changed. Right. Which I think is poignant. Yeah. Um. You know, in part of her relentlessness is that you know she was still like a hundred years old with her push-up bra and her hair. And, and um, well, she's still alive. I know. I should know rest that. in peace. No. Yeah. Okay. But RIP. Pete. Uh, but her story and and Cosmo by the way she took over that magazine she had no editorial experience and it was became number 1 and stayed there and for all I know it still is a, at this very second yeah. so i don't you know well, it's
2: fantastic to read at the hair salon you know the, like the way, like that's when you read it when it, no one can see you reading it's it pretty, you know? a, it's the pretty it's 10 tips
1: for seducing whoever yeah. and yeah. and you wrap some other magazine over the cover <laughs> right? exactly
3: yes us news and world report Mhm. Economist, I
2: think.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh,
3: there we go. Uh,
2: <laughs> all right. Uh, one of the stories I like to is Amy Poehler. and I uh, have her on here cuz she's subversive but the story you pick out is that like one guy one time she just a guy did something wrong to her so she chased him down the street and started yelling at him.
3: <laughs> I think that's why we all love Amy Poehler. Right? And I think because she looks like Alice in Wonderland yeah. too, like yeah. like her yeah. her her essential subversive nature is hidden under that those Big blue eyes and the blonde hair, yeah. It was apparently she was on an airplane and she was going to some shoot with some girlfriends and they were yakking and talking as girlfriends do.
0: Yeah, wasn't she with Tina Fey? I mean, they were going I, to yeah. yeah, whatever. She was with some other. Just sit back and be entertained. Noisy women. If you have Tina Fey and Amy right. Poehler on the and there the was plane. some. Right.
3: They were coming down the jetway and there was some businessman who was like saying, you know, you you ladies were very loud. You shouldn't have been allowed in first class. And she just went after him. And then when he sort of shrugged it off, which I. I find men do. They kind of like, you know, stick a jab out there and then they just sort of, you know, oh, well, whatever. But she chased him. And, you know, and uh, and as I said, no man would say that to another man. Oh, sir, you and your friends were talking about sports too loudly in first class. Like, you know, this was a totally sexist thing and she, she would not would not take it. She's the
2: best, Amy Poehler. So funny, so funny. All right, and then finally, we just a satellite sister's favorite. We had her on a couple of times. Nora Ephron. I almost can't say her name without crying. But I think you're as bad as me. You seem to yeah. be as huge a Nora Ephron fan. And it was
3: the hardest essay to write. People have asked that, like, what what essay felt the most difficult? And because I loved love her so much um it felt and miss her and was has been you know what you're saying Leon. that it just it just was felt i felt i felt overwhelmed
2: yeah yeah but you met her see when we had her on satellite sister she just called in so we never met her so i'm sure if i met her i would just start crying so and you <laughs> I, you you couldn't focus you couldn't speak no, you I, had to like turn away and look at the drink table i did I mean, what happened what happened to you
3: well, uh, you know, it was – I have a – despite all my book touring and writing, I have a very sort of little shy streak, which is part of why I wrote the book. I mean writers write books so that they can figure out things as well. So – um but i was just so overwhelmed and she had such a beautiful thin little hand and i had like my big western paw shaking her <laughs> hand um and i just i i couldn't just tell her how much i i've had read everything of hers and i loved her so much so i just sort of it was really nice to me and i turned away yes and examined the buffet table and and nora efron said who was that <laughs> you know <laughs> who was that sad person um and you know, I, I wish I did. I wish I had been able
1: to rise to the occasion, but I had to tell the truth.
2: Yeah, it's a beautiful essay though that you've written
1: about. Thank her. you. Yeah, it's and really one nice. Thing at least I, she didn't I, faint or anything. Yeah. you know, so that's pretty good. Yeah.
0: What I loved, I remember when we had her on Satellite Sisters, is that I mean, she's smart and she's funny and she's been great at so many things. But she was also really interested in having a conversation with us. You know, it wasn't like she just like came on the show and had something to pitch. She was so much fun to talk to. Mm-hmm. So
3: I'm sorry you missed your opportunity. Yeah, yeah I, because know. I <laughs> Well, you know, it was funny because I I really worried that I was including her just out of love. Yeah. That you know her and her adjective is exacting. Yeah, I liked that. Um, but when I was did my first book. Uh, uh, book reading at Powell's in m- our, my hometown of Oregon, I mean of Portland, um, a woman came up to me and when she bought a book in, uh, of a certain age and she said, I went to Wellesley with Nora Ephron and she was a real bitch. And I was like, oh, I'm so
0: glad. I'm so
3: thrilled to hear that because I thought I was kind of just, you know, going against the rules I had set for myself because of love. So I was very thrilled to hear that she was a real bitch. You get in some
2: good jabs at Carl Bernstein, too, in that essay.
0: I was yeah. happy to do that.
2: <laughs> on Nora's behalf. Yeah, on Nora's behalf. And then you start the book with a wonderful quote by her. So what What did you learn after all this? Like, has it reshaped or reframed how you're going to live the next part of your life? Or, or what adjective are you in the difficult it scale?
3: Has. I think I'm a difficult woman in training. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm trying to do a few things that, that maybe, you know, our listeners will also benefit from the first thing is not to, I, I have this habit of saying, what do I know? You know, oh, yeah, I paraphrase things was, I mean, I, uh-huh. I preface something and if, especially like an opinion, like it's just my opinion. I'm not, I'm not testifying before the, the Senate, you know, which I, you don't even have to know anything <laughs> no, anymore. Yeah. God but I mean, or I was like, the truth or anything. I right, was <laughs> like, what do I know about, you know, it's like, well, I know what I know. So I've, I've stopped that. I have stopped when people run into me, me saying, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I've stopped that. And also, if I have an opinion and I think it's going to upset somebody, I just let it roll, having confidence that time will pass and they will get over it. Because that's something I think women struggle with is that we feel responsible for the feelings of everyone around us. And then if we upset somebody, we want to figure out how to make it so they're not upset when guess what? People get over things. And that Mm -hmm. is something the women in my book all have in common. They let it rip, and then if someone was upset, they just trusted either that they would get over it, they would have a chance to, like, make up another time, but they didn't worry so much about
0: upsetting people. And so those are the things I'm trying to do. Those are awesome rules. You know, Our one of our themes here at Satellite Sisters is stay noisy. And I think... All three of those would fit super well on a list of how to stay noisy. Exactly. And
3: I mean, speaking out, we, we tend not to do it. We tend to just hold back. And I think if, certainly it's the time, if there ever was a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we see that's really um, awesome. And, you know, you guys are sisters, so you've always had each other's back. But for, if someone steps up and has the courage to do it, and then there's women behind her, mm-hmm. I think that, that, um, that helps as well. That helps us to have courage.
2: I think women of our generation, though, it just took us so long to get there to sort of find our voices. That's why when you see these young women that came out against Dr. Nasser and that whole terrible mm-hmm. thing or, the, the, or Parkland the, the Parkland students, I'm just impressed that they are young and they have found their voices and they're sort of – moving through and speaking their truth to power in a way I don't think in a million
3: years I could have done when I was 18 years old, even though
2: I felt like I was a pretty outspoken person. And the
3: thing that I love about them, too, is that you'll see, like, if you see Emma Gonzalez speaking, like, she is wrecked. She's wiping tears away. She's obviously stricken, but she's all. it just makes her more articulate and more powerful. So you get to see the whole constellation of her personality. Mm. I think, you know, before, like in the 80s, you could be a woman at work, but God, if you cry,
1: it
3: was oh yeah don't do that it was over
1: that's that's a good point so that now that you see
3: the whole person um and you see how powerful she is even Mm -hmm. in her very emotional state and it just i just feel very inspired by it yeah
2: so is that volume two and pray
0: volume two (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) volume two
3: so karen what's next for you what are you doing next I'm um, volume two. No, um, I'm taking maybe a little break from that. I'm working on um, I'm working on a novel. Oh, good. Um, and it's called I Sit with the Wives. And it's about the Alice B. Toklas side of the story of her relationship with Gertrude Stein.
2: Oh, wow. Fascinating. Uh-huh. All right. You
3: know, she sat with the wives. Okay. Yeah. And my conceit is the wives knew a lot more and shaped a lot more um, iconic 20th century careers than we gave them credit for.
0: Oh, I like it. All right. Okay. Can we book you now to come back? (laughs) Yes, I'd love to.
3: What's
1: your
2: schedule?
0: We'll cancel you in for what? Two years from now? Right.
2: Got to go home and write. Sounds
3: right up our alley.
2: How do you find that switch between nonfiction and fiction difficult?
3: No, I love it.
2: Oh, I okay. love it.
3: I want to, whatever genre I'm working in, I want to flee right into the arms of the other genre. Oh,
0: okay. <laughs> Liam, you go back and forth too. Do I you do find go back. it
2: easy? I, I, I find nonfiction is just, it takes up a lot less not mind space for me and then when I go into fiction, I just can't work on anything else. So, like, nonfiction I can do with other stuff but in fiction, mm-hmm. it just takes over You're my You're in head. the
3: dream. You're in the dream yeah. and you have to stay in the dream.
2: Yeah, that's the problem, staying in the dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: still running your life yes <laughs> that's right <laughs> all
2: right well karen thank you so much for coming in for finding our studio i mean it's not easy to find in the construction zone you i did it
3: i i did and i actually used to work across the street no really? way right out of right out of um film school i was a, a secretary for a literary agent that was called adams ray
1: and rosenberg oh okay hey. Oh yeah,
3: wow. I'm going to write about that one day. Yeah,
1: uh, how you call yourself a secretary, not even an administrative assistant? Oh okay. no,
3: there were no administrative assistants in that day. No, 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 secretary.
1: Oh, that is
2: funny. Okay, now that's like Soho. It's super House. funny, yeah. given <laughs> given
3: how um, my typing skills
0: was very funny. <laughs>
2: All right. Our guest has been Karen Carbo. The book is In Praise of Difficult Women, Life Lessons from 29 Heroines Who Dared to Break the Rules. You still have time to pick it up, if you haven't yet, for Women's History Month. Because, yeah. you know, we just have the one month to talk about women. That's right. And then we then you <laughs> just got to shut that down. <laughs> Going back to talking about men here. So a <laughs> couple more days, make it happen here in March. Thanks, Karen.
0: Thanks. Okay. Time to announce the big contest, sisters. Uh, every April... You know, well, maybe not every April, but most of the time in the spring, <laughs> we try to do something special. So here's what we're doing, April 2018. Here's our special thing that we're doing. We're doing a photo contest entitled "You're the Best," and we just want to see pictures of you. And your Satellite Sisters having fun. We feel like let's fill the internet with pictures of people having fun. Enjoying your friends. You know, we always say our, so, our show is just about the sound of friendship. So now we want to see pictures of friendship. So the Satellite Sisters Facebook group is one place you can post your pictures. Or on Instagram, on your own feed on Instagram, post a picture of you and your Satellite Sisters and use the hashtag you're the best. So that's Y-O-U-R-E-T-H-E-B-E-S-T. I know you, you know how to spell the best, but sometimes the your part <laughs> gets complicated right. grammatically. Right. So or in, auto-corrected. You yeah, know. it gets auto-corrected. It's, you know, whatever. So either in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group or on Instagram with the hashtag you're the best, we just want to see your favorite photos of your friends out having fun. And here's the deal. At the end of the month, we're going to have a drawing. We're ac- going to put actual names into an actual hat. Everyone who posts any photos uh, we're going to have a drawing, and we have prizes, right? Leon? Yes,. Ooh-hoo. We there have is loot to be shared. That's right. Mm-hmm. you've heard
2: you've heard about salsa basket. now maybe you can enjoy some salsa basket. They are providing a basket to one of the winners, delicious salsas and jams, a small batch. You know what that means, Liz. Delicious. Tasty. Tasty. <laughs> Delicious. Yes. Handcrafted. And, mm-hmm. Handcrafted. And cool jams is supplying some jammies. I mean, yeah, and, you know Julie, I know you love your cool jams.
1: I do. I do. I, I went with a nightgown, I which is uh cool and refreshing, yes. if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah.
2: Right?
1: It's let's just say it, it's some moisture wicking fabric.
2: And yes, nothing is like nothing a... <laughs> says having a good time with your satellite sisters <laughs> like moisture
1: wicking fabric. Yeah. So Awesome. And, and salsa. And and some <laughs> salsa. That's a party right there. Yeah. It's really nice about this contest. You don't have to write an essay. You don't no. have to really think too hard. Just look, you've got great pictures of you and your friends. Post them. We, we want, want to see we them. We want
0: to see them. So every day during the month of April, post whatever you want in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. And on Instagram with the hashtag, you're the best. And then at the end of the month, we'll have a drawing and somebody's going to win a salsa basket. And then we have two cool jams, gift certificates. There you have it. Knock yourselves out. It's going to be fun. Yeah. You do have to use the hashtag though. Yes. Because that's how we're going to find it. We won't
2: be able to find it at the end of the month when we have to write your name down and put it in a hat. It's pretty (laughs) high tech. So (laughs) we can search. If you're wondering why, we'll search the hashtag and then we'll write everybody's name down.
0: (laughs) There's okay. probably a better way. We'll figure that out next year. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be fair. We're just, we're going to pull a name out of the hat.
2: That's yeah, how we're doing yeah. it. Yeah.
0: That's the way the Dolans always did it.
2: Yep. All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. Julie, Liz, have uh, have a great week. You too, Ma- Leah. Many thanks to our engineer, Sergio Enriquez, here at the Wendry Studios. Thank and you. don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.